Welcome to the Church on a Hill podcast. This is Pastor Corey Lahiri, and the Church on a Hill podcast is a ministry of Palouse Federated Church in Palouse, Washington. We are glad you joined us for this podcast, and we hope that that this will bless you. We're going to be in the book of Revelation today, Revelation chapter 5. You can find that on your devices uh, or in your Bibles that you brought or a Bible underneath a chair near you. Uh, It's the last book of the Bible, the Revelation, the Apocalypsis, according to the Apostle John. Revelation chapter 5. If you want to take notes, you can take notes inside the program there. If you have any uh, sermon follow-up, you can always jot me a note there. Just find me after the service, after the quarterly meeting, or uh, check in during the week. We're studying these scriptures as part of our Bible studies. So if you're not part of a Bible study group and you'd like to join one, a, you can always join one. Uh, they're, they're fun and welcoming groups. And i uh, love to have you do that if you're not in a Bible study group currently. Well, um, I want to thank you for being here today. I don't always say that, but thank you. you know? What you're doing is kind of a, a peculiar thing in the 21st century. Uh, you're coming together to sing with people. Uh, some of them, you know, strangers to some of you, uh, coming to, to hear scriptures that were written 2,000 years ago or older. And you're, you're, some of you, most of us are doing it online, but there's several, or I should say most of you are doing it in person. There's several people also online uh, who are gathering, gathering together to, to really give God glory and to learn from God. Or maybe you're here today because you're seeking and you're curious and you Let's see, what does this book of Revelation have to do with my life today? And what does it say? Well, we, we are, we're going to hear from God's word. And hearing that uh, with faith, again, is a peculiar activity that followers of Jesus do. We're hearing this ancient uh, scripture that we believe, as a part of our faith, is a living word from God, right? That God is in it, inspires it, that the, the spirit is in here teaching us and talking to us giving us real truth about our lives, about who God is, and about the future. Okay? And, and I really believe that it's going to encourage you today. And we're going to hear the, the fifth chapter of Revelation, the whole, the whole chapter. And after studying it with, with many of you this week in different studies, I, I really simply believe that God is going to bless those of us who, who come ready to hear uh, God's word today. Bless with encouragement as we we hear the images of God's goodness as we hear of the worship of the Lord in the heavenly realms, the eternal realms. I believe this will bless us, but we need to prepare. So let's prepare our hearts with prayer to rightly hear the word of God. Oh Lord, may the, the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord. For you are truly our rock and redeemer. You are the author and perfecter of our faith. You alone should we rightly fear. You alone should we fully follow. You alone should our lives be founded upon. And your son is the lion who is also the lamb that was slain. I pray that your spirit would encourage each person today hearing your word. I pray that the people listening to this message today, Lord, would be praying for themselves, that they would hear what you want for them, your truth, 
that they would be praying for others to hear. Maybe others to even come into relationship with you for the first time. And that they would be praying for me, O oh Lord, and for other preachers. That we would rightly declare your word. That your kingdom would be seen and that, that more would come to follow you. That you would be glorified. Lord, we pray all these things together in the name of Jesus the King. Amen. Amen. So we're in the book of Revelation, and uh, we, we're hearing this revelation given to the Apostle John. I think we might have a photo of John here. Uh, do we have a photo of John? Oh, there he is. Okay. Taken at the time. This is what we call an icon image uh, uh, of the Apostle John there, St. John. Uh, that might be St. John the Theologian, but it's a nice-looking nice uh, uh, picture there. And uh, John with the help, obviously, and leadership of the Holy Spirit, is been being given a vision by the Lord, by the Lord Jesus. And we heard last week, if you didn't get to hear last week's message, you can, you can find it on our website or, or our YouTube channel, but this vision of the throne room of heaven. And, and now this throne room of heaven uh, that artists have tried to describe, and I don't think any human being can perfectly describe it, you know, but we try. But, but John is being revealed, is being given a glimpse of the heavenlies, and then events are going to unfold in front of John's eyes in this vision. But they had to set the scene first with the throne room. So that's, that's largely what we did this week. And now we're going to start seeing some things start to unfold or be revealed, be revealed. And after all, being revealed, that's the name of the book, Revelation, or, or the, 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 the more literal name, the apocalypse, which apocalypsis in the Greek just means revealing, revealing. So the revealing that God is giving, given to the Apostle John for his encouragement, but also for the churches at that time and for the church throughout the ages, this is what we get to read. We are privileged to hear this, and it should encourage the, the people of God uh, because it reveals God's power, God's majesty, and God's plan for the present and for the future. So with that as just brief background, let's, let's hear the word of the Lord, and we'll be blessed by hearing it. Revelation chapter 5, starting with verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I heard, excuse me, and I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scrolls and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain 
with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the the throne and to the lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. This is the word of the Lord, the revelation given to the Apostle John for him, for the church, for us. And we see this scene, and if you you are overwhelmed by it, that's okay. (laughs) I think a lot in Revelation should be overwhelming and not immediately like, oh, well, that's easy to understand. It's it's overwhelming because we're glimpsing into God's reality, into God's plan. And so we are seeing the throne room of heaven. And just a reminder, what we heard last week, God is at the center, right? God is always at the center of eternity, and God is at the center. We talked about last week, part of what Revelation does is it uncenters us on ourself. If you think your life needs to be centered on you, you got the wrong center, okay? We need to be centered on God. And, and, and Revelation, eternity, history is rightly centered on God, okay? And so we see that in the, this glimpse that we're getting through John by the help of the Holy Spirit. God is at the center. And we see the 24 elders representing the believing people of God and these angelic flying creatures. And we, we then hear this mighty angel announcement, right? Who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seal? This, this, this special scroll, right? But nobody is, is worthy to open it or even, even to look into it, it says. And John begins weeping. I mean, he's having this amazing vision. He's, he's hearing from the Lord Jesus. He's in the spirit, and yet he's weeping because God has raised up in him this expectation that what is in that scroll is really, really important. We're going to find out that even the seals are really, really important. And so John just has this sense of knowing by, by the Holy Spirit helping him that Man, I really want to know what's in there. <laughs> and there's nobody in heaven on earth and in earth that, that can open it. 
We've fallen that short and nobody, and it's that important and we can't do it. Who's going to do it? And one of the elders comes alongside and says, don't worry, the, the lion's coming, right? The lion's coming. Now, this, this scroll, we, we don't know, I, I don't want to tell you too much about it because as we go through Revelation, we're going to hear about it. And we're going to hear about the seals and and if you read ahead, which I encourage you to do, I encourage you to read through the book of Revelation. I encourage you to not understand what it means because you probably won't the first time unless you've studied it many times. Just, just read through it. Join the Bible study. Read, read through it with people too, right? But at this point, what we know about the scroll and what the original hearers would know about the scroll is this is from the hand of God and not just anybody can open it. And it's written on the inside, because that's where scrolls were normally written on the inside. But there's so much information, they've also apparently written on the outside. And it's been sealed with seven seals. Seven, seven seals. So it, a picture of it might look something like this. I think the one in heaven would have not been as shabby as this. But you, you get the idea. This is like a recreation of an ancient uh, document and, and seven seals. Okay, so... The seven seals would say, this, is, this document has been authenticated, and you, you took string around, then you took hot wax, and you melted the string together, and, and then put a signet in there, or, or the mark of your name or your family, and saying, essentially, when you were sending a legal document, that I have witnessed what's in here, and I authenticate it, okay? And if you got a document that was important, and it didn't have seals, or seals were broken, uh, you could tell there was a little wax stain there, but there was no wax. Hmm. You would be suspicious, maybe, what's going on here? Why did somebody break the seals before I got it, right? But God has this perfect number of seven, perfect completion. The number seven we're going to see repeated over and over again in Revelation, like the perfect seven days of the week, right? This, this complete number. So there's seven seals, and there's this chocked full scroll that we don't at this point know what's in it yet front and back but we do know that it's special and sacred and no one not just anyone can open it but there is one only one who can open it so let's before we talk about that one let's talk about the elders and john who are in this scene john getting revealed this and he's he's having a vision and yet the elders right there and can talk to them this is uh, more than your average dream, folks. This is not John eating some bad spicy food. This is a special revelation of God, a historical revelation of God given to him. And I know that's hard for many of our modern minds to accept, but if there's a God who wants to do what he wants to do, the sovereign Lord, then why not accept this, that this is God's revealing. So he, he has John there with these elders, these 24 elders, and there's one who comforts John. That, now, that doesn't mean that the other 23 are not personable or something like that, but this one comforts him as John weeps, right? And again, back to this weeping by John. We aren't given, you know, there isn't a paragraph where John says, and I, and I, I wept for these reasons. He's, but the reason we're given is that he wants the scroll to be opened, because it's obviously special coming from God's right hand. And so he's having, I just want to point this out again, he's having disappointment, brief as it was, as he's revealing the heavenly throne room, having disappointment because he wants to know what God has in store in that scroll. 
But as he is comforted with the truth from the elder, his disappointment is replaced by hope. And this is just generally what Revelation does for us. It, it, it can be confusing and overwhelming, especially the first time you read it. But the disappointment we may have for things in this life, and is, are things really working out? I mean, it feels like this world is just falling apart. As we learn and have faith in the God who has a plan and is good and is the center of heaven and eternity, and disappointment is replaced with hope. That's one of the products of studying Revelation. Just trust me on it as we go through the journey. Disappointment will be replaced by hope. So if you find yourself disappointed in humanity right now, probably should be, okay? But God can take that disappointment that you, we spend a lot of energy on and, and, and God can put a new substance in you or fill you with his new song, his hope. That, okay, you can spend a lot of time being disappointed with people and things don't work out in your life the way you want. Or you can look to God and remember that God is working all things together for his glorious plan. And so John's disappointment, as brief as it was, is replaced by hope because the elder comes to him and, and, and he has this news. Hey, there is one. There is one. The Lion of Judah who is the root of David. And immediately when John would have heard these words, the lion of Judah, the root of David, I know who that is. I walked with that guy for three years. Right? I saw his miracles. I recorded his prayers. I saw him crucified. I was at the foot of the cross with his mom. I saw him alive after he was dead. I saw him ascend into heaven. I have his the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. It went with me, and I saw that spirit fall upon thousands of people and, and become followers of Jesus just, just days and weeks after they had shouted, crucify him. The Lion of Judah can open the scroll. Of course he can, right? The Lion of Judah. So then he's expecting to, to see this lion, this, 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 this lion that... This Lion of Judah image that comes from Genesis 49, you can read about it there if you want, right around verses 9 and 10, but the, the, the scriptures tell us that Judah is like a young lion and, and, and in Genesis 49, and it also says that the scepter will not depart from Judah. I mean, you know, a scepter like a king or a ruler has a scepter, a symbol of their power, and that there's going to be this powerful leader from the tribe of Judah who is going to be like a king. He's, he's fierce and strong like a lion, and the scepter will not depart from Judah. There will be a king who reigns forever. So how is, how is Jesus a, a lion uh, of Judah? Well, he's from that tribe. Jesus is from the, the tribe of Judah. He's born of that line. He's even born geographically in that, that area. He was born in, in Bethlehem. He is fierce and powerful. Now, we may not immediately think of Jesus as fierce and powerful, but we should. He has more power, right, to calm the storms with his words. He can, he can calm the seas that are very powerful, right? He was fierce in, in defense defending his God, the Father, and, and in defending the place of prayer, the temple where people were praying. He, he, he made a whip, it says, and he drove out the money changers and the animals so that people would have a place to pray. You've made my father's house a marketplace. And he drove them out with the whip. He was fierce 
right? Not because he was mean or sinfully angry, but he fiercely defended people having an opportunity to have a relationship with God. And he's fierce in his love for you. He's fierce as he fights against sin and evil in this world. He is strong and powerful. He is the one who cleared the temple. He's the one who could preach to crowds of thousands and, and feed them as well, right? He's the one who healed countless people, sometimes for days on end. He's the one stronger than the natural powers of the earth. He could calm storms, conquer diseases that they had absolutely no healing available for, but he was the healing, right? He is strong. And so John, I, I don't know, I can't say what John was feeling exactly, but you know, he's seen some pretty amazing stuff already. Where's this lion? And then he sees the lamb, the lion that is the lamb. The, the next thing John doesn't see is you know, a big lion with big mane. He sees a lamb that's been slain, but standing, alive. But with all the marks of having been killed at one time. You know, Jesus ascended bodily to heaven. Jesus resurrected bodily before that. He had his wounds still when he showed them to the disciples. He had his wounds when he ascended into heaven. And we see when he's pictured here as the Lamb of God, he has his wounds still. Do you know the church has always believed that, that the Son of God chooses to eternally still bear the wounds? His scars. Just something to think about. He is the lamb. The lamb that was slain but is not dead anymore. He is standing and he is worthy. And he stands as a great contrast. Jesus stands as a great contrast to the, the rulers of the world, like the rulers that John had seen in his lifetime, the emperor Nero in the 80s, 60s, who burned Christians alive, to use Christians as human torches for his party, strapped them to poles, and lit them afire. Or Domitian, the emperor at this time who had exiled John to this island of Patmos who thought he was in control, but boy, he wasn't. Domitian, who was persecuting followers of Jesus. They think they're lions. They don't even know what real strength is. They're so insecure that they have to kill other people who believe differently than them. That's a fake lion. Real lions, the real lion like Jesus, loved his people so fiercely he was willing to give his life as the lamb. And our leader, our founder, our Lord, our king is, is always going to stand in contrast to the the way of worldly leadership, those who use their so-called power to devour. He used his power and laid it down to rescue, to heal, to bring us into relationship. Jesus has great power. He is powerful, the mightiest lion, right? But his power is also seen beautifully in his willing to, to be the suffering servant who is slain for us, the pure, perfect, spotless lamb sacrifice. Like John said, John the Baptist said when he was announcing Jesus 
And Jesus, start of his ministry, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the lion and the lamb. And so no wonder <laughs> the heavenly, the eternal, is filled with, with worship, right? Filled with worship. But we also see something else there in this scene. We see prayers and worship. We, we, see, we see elders falling down in worship. Um, they're falling down before the, the king, Jesus, the, the lion who is the lamb. And they're, they're falling down. If, if you're keeping score, uh, it seems that they're falling down while holding and playing a harp, while holding bowls of golden bowls of incense, which got to be pretty heavy. And I think it's just meant to, to depict this scene where they are giving deep honor to him. And, and these bowls that they are holding, these valuable bowls, at least by earthly terms, right? These golden bowls, they're filled with the prayers of the saints, your translation may have, or your translation may have God's people. Those two things mean the same thing. God's people are saints. We're all believers in Jesus Christ. When we're made righteous through him, through faith, we are called saints, not just a select class of Christians are saints. No, no, no. You, when you believe in Jesus Christ, are made perfectly holy and righteous by, by his righteousness, by his perfect life, death, resurrection. And so you, if you sincerely prayed, somehow your prayers are gathered there like incense before the heavenly throne room or in the heavenly throne room before the Father. And he's, he's working them all together. We're, this isn't the last time we're going to hear about these prayers of the saints in the book of Revelation, but we're hearing now, uh, and I think it would encourage John and those first listeners and, and us to know that God collects and hears the prayers of his people, and he's working them together into his plan. It's not that we're changing God's plan. He has a plan, but we're involved in it. It's, a, it's one of these beautiful, deep thoughts. I'm not pretending to understand it, but I, I'm receiving the revelation that was given. And the revelation that is given is, there's bowls there with the prayers of God's people. And God's working them all together as part of the plan. And so just an application of that, you prayed today, hopefully during the prayer time, or you prayed this morning when you woke up, or you prayed prayers this week for people in your life, prayed for somebody maybe to come into a relationship with Jesus. And there's this temptation that we can think of, do my prayers really go anywhere? Does God really hear my prayers? Did I pray it right? Do you think of your prayers the way God does? That's one of the gifts of revelation can he give us. Your prayers, when sincerely prayed out of a place of faith, are a fragrant offering to the Lord, and they do come before them. They come before the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And therefore, you may get to a point in your life where you can say, all I can do is pray. I think that's actually where we should start our faith journey. I get to pray. And, and I can pray through the point when I pray, uh, pray as I'm breathing my very last breath on earth. I can pray. And prayer is this deep connection to God's eternal reality. Prayer matters because God says it matters. He's revealing that here to us, right? Prayer matters. Worship, worship, the thing we're doing here, this peculiar activity that we're doing here, 
Worship happens here because it's happening in heaven. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We worship, we worship God here because that's right and good for God to be worshipped. But worship is, is going to be an ongoing activity, right? Worship happens in heaven. Did you notice it said they're singing a new song? I noticed some of us in Bible study saw that this week. And um, You ever been in church and you lean next to the person next to you and say, I don't know this one, right? Uh, this is a new song for me. Uh, even if it's 150 years old, sometimes that happens. But uh, they were singing a new song. It's not an accidental word there, new. God is always making things new. Jesus said the Father is always at work. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. God is, is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the same. But in his sameness, he is always making things new. He's making things new. And so this new song that's ever new, if you want to put it this way, that what are they singing about? They're singing about Jesus. It says, worthy are you, they sing about Jesus, to take the scroll and to open its seals. Why is he worthy? It says, because you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. They are praising in this new song, this, this new thing God has done, this collection of people from every tribe, language, nation, all over the place. And, and that, that vision that John was receiving, that's something that the early church, they believed in. Right? God loves all people from every corner of the earth. And so part of our Christian heritage is Every time we hear of a new people group anywhere, we want them to know of the God who loves them, right? There's really no new people group, it's just new to us, right? As we discover, have they heard about Jesus? They need to hear about Jesus because he wants all people part of his group. You know, this is a very radical image Jesus has given the church. Throughout world history, religions were basically... Monoethnic, right? Monocultural, or and even monolingual, meaning your your texts were in one language, your your worship activities, all you did is just for your tribe, your people. But Christ comes in, and from from the start of His kingdom, the gospel is exploding into into different groups. People right off the bat at the Pentecost story, different language groups, and the gospel is exploding into the world around it, into people with different ethnicities, different nations, right? It got to the point where Rome was very concerned because these followers of Jesus, they couldn't really trust them as Roman citizens because these Christians had the habit of like loving people that weren't Romans too and treating people that were slaves as if they were full people treating babies who should be discarded as, pe- as babies that actually know should be rescued. The Christians were doing all these things that just seemed very, very different to the world's values at the time. And so in heaven, they are praising what Jesus has done. He was slain to make this new kingdom, this creation, this amazing collection of people from all around the world, this, this huge vision that's still a huge vision, a united 
family of people that it doesn't matter what you look like in your background or what you talk like that are united in the love that Jesus, the Son of God, has for, for us. And, and we are made priests, it says. We are made representatives of God, not based on our, our, our backgrounds or our wealth or anything like that, but because Jesus Christ has made us all able to be representatives of him. Priest, that's what a priest is, a representative of God to other people. He's making you that, right? To serve God, represent him. Not just my job as pastor. It's all of God's people as his representatives. So do we believe, this, this revelation is teaching us, in, in Christ's identity of his church, his kingdom. Now, this was really revolutionary back then. A lot of, and even now, like, uh, cultures still have this idea of, some might call it karma, some might call it fate or destiny or, or just you're born into whatever station in life you're born into, you know, and you, if you're born a servant, you stay a servant. You're born a slave, you stay a slave and just do it well and do it with dignity, right? You're born into a lower caste and you stay in that class and maybe you'll get reincarnated some thought systems have but christianity because god gave us this message says no your destiny for all people whatever you were born into wherever you were born into how much wealth you have or don't have your destiny is i want you in relationship with me i want you to be in the heavenly with me i want you to be part of my kingdom now and forever and be one of my representatives and the church believed that, man. The church believed that from the beginning. I mean, there were slaves that were leaders of local house churches. Right? Heaven and earth. Heaven and earth. We want to be people who are having God's will done here on earth as it is in heaven, right? We pray that in the Lord's Prayer. We also sing a song here, a traditional song that's been sung now for 300 plus years in Christian churches, often called the doxology, right? Where we, the creatures here below, are praising him, and we're praising him along with ye heavenly host. The doxology was written in 1674, pretty much saying continuously since then. It says, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The heavenly host that we see here in this, this revealing. That John says, it was basically beyond my ability to count. It was myriads of myriads. A myriad, if taken in a literal sense, is 10,000, but he does it in the plural, so it's 10,000s of 10,000s, and some commentators really say it should be 10,000s times 10,000s and thousands of thousands. He's just saying, it was beyond what I could see. These are created angelic beings who work for God. If we, if we were just to say it was 10,000 times 10,000, check my math, but I think that's 100 million, right? And one angelic being is very powerful, according to the scriptures we see. And they are spending their time in heaven praising God. Now, part of the encouragement for John and the early church and any church that had been persecuted since, since this time is they look at the revelation and they say, guess what, guys? We're never outnumbered. They may kill us. They may persecute us or they may mock me for my faith. But I'm part of a chorus 
beyond number. I'm part of the kingdom that stretches into eternity. And Rome's never going to overwhelm it, and it sure didn't. And no other nation that is right now persecuting our fellow believers around the world, they can persecute them, they can take their life, but they can't take their voice away from that eternal course. Part of the, the vision we're be given, being given here is the agreement of heaven and earth in praising the Lord. It says in verse 11, Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads, thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, singular, loud voice, unified, loud voice. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every... That's every, just take that really literally, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all, take that very literally, all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. The earth and heaven are united in praise of God. And if heaven is this place of unforced praise of God, where the people are not bored by the beauty of God and the opportunity to be in God's presence and be part of what God is doing. Then if heaven is this beautiful place and we are getting to see that, then if we are his people now, do we have the evidence of the lordship in our life now? Is, the, is it being done in our lives here on earth as it is in heaven? Another way to put it is, is he actually on the throne of your heart? Is he actually on the throne of your heart? We believe that Jesus Christ is worthy to be praised. We can say that, but I need to ask you, is, is he actually on the throne? Are you joining the myriads of myriads and praising God? Do you believe in that there's actually this big story of God behind all of history that we're going to keep learning more and more about? Is God the center of your story or is something else the center? Are you the center? That's what 21st century America and 20th century America says, right? It's about you. Your bucket list, your plan, your goals. And if you can have God, it's about how God can give you the best life now and bless you. But when we actually confront the scriptures or let the scriptures confront us, they tell us something much richer, much deeper, much more beautiful that we get to join the eternal song that praises God, the eternal story. We want to join the myriads of myriads and praise God. And we just have to be honest with ourselves when we, our lives, are out of tune with the life of God. And much of Christianity at different points has been out of tune with the praise of God, has been selfish Christianity or, or political or national Christianity, right? Or it's been all about the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I instead of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Right? And the tunes of this world are going to fade away. The selfishness, the complaining, the greed, the drama, the gossip, the lust, the, the power, the anxiety, the, the hatred, all these false tunes of the world are going to fade away. But the praise songs of heaven will only get louder and louder and last into eternity. There is this ever and always new song of Christ, of the Lamb, and his great love for his people. And so to the God and to the Lamb, sing, people. No matter what the world says or does, no matter how bad it gets or the fears out there that they want you to fall into, 
we sing on. We sing on. No matter what happens to your earthly body, no matter what you're diagnosed with, no matter where you end up, even if it's a place like John that you didn't expect to end up in, like our king, we say, I commit my life into the hands of the Father, no matter what. No matter where you end up, we believe that our prayers will always be heard by the good God, never returned as undeliverable. But indeed, the prayers of God's people are heard and received and worked together by the Lord with the other prayers of his people in some deep and beautiful way. Keep praying on, friends. Don't give up praying. Don't stop. You don't know how God's going to work it together. That person you've been praying for for five years, 10 years, 20 years, I don't know. Don't stop. Keep praying. Pray for the world. Pray for the, the situations in the world that the world says are hopeless. You are God's people. You are his priests. You are united in the song of heaven with the, the, the angels. Keep praying. And believe he hears your prayers. And no matter what the world might say or what our worst fears may try to tell us, no matter what evil may even try to whisper in your ear, your life is a beautiful gift created by God. There was a God, there is a God, and will always be a God who loved you so much he came to earth and though he had the immense power, more power than all of the hundreds of millions of angels that there are, he's the mightiest lion. This one was slain so that his people could live with him forever. Worthy is that God to be praised. And that God is working a plan together for his beautiful end, and we're going to keep hearing about it. It's a very good God, worthy to be praised. Oh, Lord God, may the words you wanted people to hear remain in their hearts. May the things you want emphasized in their lives be received and built upon by your Holy Spirit. May you be glorified as we, as we keep hearing from your word, from your book. May we be your representatives. May we really keep singing on to you, keep praying to you, and believe that you, your plan, will keep going on into eternity. You are so good, God. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. There's some next steps on the card there. Uh, one thing I want you to just consider uh, is each week, like, how am I applying revelation in my life? Where was it encouraging? Did it encourage me in some way to, to, um, to worship or to pray for somebody or, or praise God? So how did that work last week? How is it working this upcoming week? So is there something you're saying, you know what? I need to keep on praying. Maybe that's an application you have. Uh, and then number three, I, I'm encouraging folks to, to read through Revelation a couple chapters at a time to kind of get warmed up. And then when you're ready, read through it in one sitting. Maybe read through it out loud or listen to an audio version in one sitting. So make that a goal for yourself to, to dive into this book that I know is overwhelming for a lot of us, but I really believe is going to continue to bless us.
Hello, friends. I truly pray that this message blessed you. And if you want to find out more about our ministries or listen to other messages or videos of our worship services, you can check us out at palousechurch.org or search for Palouse Church on YouTube or check us out on Facebook or we are on uh, the Bible app. There's different ways to find us. You can always email me, Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, at palousechurch.org to connect with me or to send me a prayer request. We really appreciate you connecting with us in this way, and may God bless your day.